0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 5th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. To deal with the very real issue of corruption in the judicial branch, some would prefer to move in the direction of public funding for judicial elections. Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, says that among the available options to deal with corruption among judges, public funding is perhaps the worst. We spoke last week at Cato University in Annapolis, Maryland. There is a very real uh, potential problem of dollar contributions corrupting judges who are elected, um, and there's some attempts to get away from that problem, a very real problem, set up where we could go in in the two ways of of dealing with judicial elections.
1: Well, one way of dealing with it, of course, is not to have judicial elections, and that's what we've done at the federal level. Federal judges are appointed by the president, subject to confirmation uh, by the Senate, and federal judges, as you know, have lifetime uh, tenure. So s- some folks have argued that, gee, maybe this lifetime tenure is not a great idea. Maybe we ought to have a mandatory retirement age or maybe we ought to have term limits for federal judges. But I think most folks agree that uh, this appointment process at the federal level does at least insulate federal judges from the political factors that affect uh, legislative and executive uh, elections. But it is, as you note, a different story at the uh, state level, most of the state judges are elected. And either uh, they have what's called contested elections where they face challengers at the end of each term, or they're initially appointed, but then they have what's called retention elections. Uh, They're not contested, but the judge faces either an up or down vote. Either he's retained if he passes or he's dismissed uh, if he doesn't pass. Uh, And in some states, it is true, uh, maybe more than just a few states, that money seems to have played a a pretty big role, especially in these contested judicial elections, and that has prompted calls uh, for public funding of state uh, judicial uh, campaigns. Uh, My own view is that there are pretty good arguments for merit appointment, uh, getting rid of elections altogether. Uh, Maybe uh, they could be followed by periodic unopposed retention elections, but I think contested elections do raise some very serious uh, questions, among other things, they're expensive. Uh, they, they create this uh, perception of uh, impropriety, and they could produce judges who are uh, sort of beholden to some of the deep-pocketed donors uh, who may come before the court and have business before the court. It's, it's a different story with the legislature and the executive. I mean, those guys are supposed to fight for their constituents. That's their job. But judges aren't supposed to do that at all. Judges are supposed to have an allegiance uh, to the rule of law and not to uh, individual or corporate interests. So the problem of big money in contested judicial elections, I think, is a real problem. But uh, even recognizing the problem, I think this proposed cure uh, public funding is worse than the disease. Now,
0: the problem, though, uh, there was a case of Massey Energy uh, in, in West Virginia that sort of uh, lays out the real— sort of real-world consequences that may uh, impact uh, judicial decisions. Indeed. It it was
1: a case called Caperton v. Massey. It was decided by the Supreme Court in 2009, Um, and the facts are quite extraordinary. The CEO of Massey spent $3 million uh, on the successful campaign of uh, a justice on the West Virginia Supreme Court. Uh, And at the same time, the CEO's company, uh, Massey, Uh, Cole, um, was appealing a $50 million jury verdict, and it went before this justice, this court and this justice, and this justice refused to recuse himself, and then he cast the deciding vote to overturn uh, the verdict. So it does certainly raise the appearance of uh, some shenanigans here, and that was too much for the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy uh, wrote the opinion 5-4 for the Supreme court and he said, look, there's a, a serious risk of bias here. And Caperton, uh, the other party, the guy who had the jury verdict in his favor and then lost it uh, on, a, on appeal to the West Virginia Supreme Court, Caperton was denied, according to the U.S. Supreme Court, his due process rights. Um, uh, so, so what should be the remedy there? Well, the Supreme Court said we ought to have some rigorous recusal standards and, and censor judges who violate those uh, standards. Uh, but what the, what the state can't do is it can't insist on having judicial elections. It could cancel judicial elections and have appointed judges. But if it has judicial elections, then the state uh, can't assert that democracy uh, uh, requires the abridgment of speech, or, or for that matter, if it's public funding, the compulsion of speech. So you uh, you can't require taxpayers to pay for a judicial philosophy that they don't want. The answer is recusal. Have judges recuse themselves from those cases where there's a potential conflict of interest. And I'd be in favor of strengthening those recusal standards. You might even have judges in certain cases have to swear under oath that they have not taken uh, substantial funds from any party to a litigation or even from the attorney uh, to the party. That would resolve the problem of potentially corrupting contributions without curbing the right of folks to speak their piece if they were not involved in litigation uh, before the
0: court. In public funding, if the goal is to remove judicial candidates from the influence of money, that seems like that might uh, be achieved with uh, public funding, but you still have to deal with the issue of just are these judges going to pander to... Uh, constituency uh, voters, effectively.
1: Well, you you got to deal with a lot of things if you have public funding. Uh, it favors current office holders uh, because uh, challengers won't be able to get the financial resources that they need to overcome the advantages of uh, incumbency. Uh, it's opposed by the taxpayers. You know, we had uh, this presidential checkoff system, a $3 income tax credit, uh, and 92% of the folks... Uh, uh, didn't uh, opt for that, Uh, you usually tie public funding to prior vote counts or prior fundraising. So if you want to qualify for public funding and you're running for an election, you need to demonstrate it penalizes uh, new candidates. Uh, And if you don't do that, if there's no link to prior votes, then you end up giving money to folks uh, running for president like Lenora Flani uh, on the communist ticket and uh, and Lyndon LaRouche, who was a convicted uh, felon. And I think the, the most important thing is this about public funding. Um, and that's the moral and the constitutional concern over compelled speech. And uh, Jefferson uh, once wrote, uh, I think this is a close to an exact quote, uh, to compel a man to furnish contributions of money for the propagation of opinions which he disbelieves is uh, sinful and tyrannical. Um, I think that sums it up pretty pretty uh, succ- succinctly. A coerced speech sustains public funding. That's what public funding is all about, and oddly enough, we have liberals who want to bar contributions to candidates um, that that you favor. That's what campaign finance reform is all about. And yet they want to require contributions to candidates uh, that you oppose. That could not possibly be uh, compatible with uh, uh, with uh, free speech. And this rationale that says, "Well, at least we're going to avoid actual or apparent uh, corruption." Look, we're better protected from. Uh, venal judges than we are from from uh, shady lawmakers. Uh, judges deal with concrete cases. We know what the interests of the parties are. We know what the interests of the attorneys are. They're open to public scrutiny. Uh, the judge's link to those interests is unambiguous because he has to issue an opinion. In most cases, it's a written opinion, and then he's subject to appellate review. And so uh, we know that that opinion is further uh, scrutinized. So we do have this ethical code that says that uh, that uh, judges have to disqualify themselves from cases where a party or attorney has donated more than a specified amount that depends on each state's law, and like I say, I think that's a, the adequate. Uh, that's the best remedy is recusal in cases of potential uh, conflict, uh, possibly buttressed by a requirement that they attest to uh, their independence of the candidate uh, of the uh, parties to the litigation and the attorneys under oath.
0: Bob Levy is chairman of the Cato Institute. We spoke last week at Cato University in Annapolis, Maryland. You can read more about Cato University at our website, cato.org.